Let us pray. God of wisdom, as we listen to your word this morning, may we be filled with understanding and insight. By your spirit, reveal the mysteries of faith to us so that we may grow in faith and wisdom in your word and in your name. Loving God, we pray that your Holy Spirit will strengthen us to be devoted to the teachings of your word, that through it we may hear your voice and follow it into eternal life. We pray all of this in Jesus, your living word's name. Amen. Please be seated. Our responsive uh, reading this morning comes from Psalm 23. And um, it may seem like a strange psalm, but it's always been one of those wonderful songs of comfort and one of those songs of joy. Responsive, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thank you. Our responsive scripture reading this morning comes out of 1 Peter. And 1 Peter states a very clear and simple truth about our Lord Jesus Christ. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted or threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body upon the cross so that he can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Thank you. By his wounds, we are healed. We are forever spending our life as a Christian trying to reflect what has meaning and speaks to us and others about our God. No matter whether we're writing, for instance, me a sermon or perhaps you're writing some commentary, or perhaps even as I showed the kids this morning, somebody's writing a song. We're forever trying to find ways to reflect the truth of our God. Nothing speaks into our lives more loudly about God and for God than Scripture. Sometimes 
you find the words in Scripture simply this morning, they could be the sermon. It'd be a simple reading. And that would be it. How loudly would that speak into the void? God's word never comes back void. It always comes back. Such was the suffering that you bore for us. We find in the Luke's writing in Acts that Peter's speech that is given just before our reading is all about those acts, all about Christ's suffering. And in this passage, we're going to find that it moves from that and it moves into the early church. And, and Luke presents us a, a snapshot of this utopic and wondrous early church. It, it's, it's utopic and it's wondrous in both its nature and its scope. Followers of Jesus, living in harmony, living in accountability to each other, and living in faith. They're all learning the ways of God and following the teachings of Jesus. All the time, receiving new believers to disciple and to love. The early church almost sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? Almost. But the truth lies in the words that God gave Luke to write. And when something in the Bible jumps out at us and speaks to us, and it almost sounds too good to be true, or almost sounds too terrible to be true, the writer has given it to us, and God has given it to the writer so that we'll stop. And we'll start to look for what the text truly has to say. We'll look harder into the text We'll look for the story that is behind the story. The truth for the story and the reason why God gave the writer that story to tell in the first place. So let us listen to the truth that lies in these words of God. Acts chapter 2. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. The word of the Lord. Thank you. Did you hear it? The sound of Jesus calling us to open up our hearts and give all we have to him. Because in giving ourselves to Christ, we are made new, we are made whole, and nothing satisfies like the Trinity, the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit. Nothing can fill us 
but the love of God in any other way. And nothing can free us from the prison of this materialistic world and open us to the wonders that is God Almighty. Saving, renewing God of everything. Now, for those of you that speak Biblical Greek, you've seen this word, koinonia. It's a Greek word, it's not an English word, just so you know. I haven't pulled anything out. You'll see it in a lot of places, a lot of different places. And one of the reasons is, is that I, I really wanted to point this out because our reading this morning points to this word. In, in the passage, you notice that it's said several times it's called fellowship. But there's so much more to it than that. We, we like to think of it as fellowship, and, and it, it, does. it does. It points specifically to Christian fellowship. And it points to fellowship with our God, and of course, fellowship with other Christians. But what does that truly mean? Earlier when I said the early community was gathered and, and they almost seemed utopic in nature. They, they had this fellowship that was deep and sincere. And, and it seems like something we can't grab because it doesn't really feel real to us because that's not who we are today, is it? Has everybody sold everything before they came to church this morning so that they could give to all those in need? No, but that's the way we read this passage quite often, and that's the part that we quite often take away from it. Well, they had fellowship, but they did all sorts of strange things. They were a wondrous community. And, and how does that happen? How does this utopic, this wondrous fellowship of believers happen? Because the people are in control? Remember what I said to the kids? No, it's got nothing to do with them, does it? In, in the previous speech that was made by Peter, the big long sermon, we find that, that Peter tells the story of who Jesus was to Jerusalem. And, and that leads into this passage that we just read this morning about what happened after that, how this koinonia was formed and what it is. And, and like I said, it's fellowship with God and fellowship with other Christians. But this is the part that we've forgotten. Now, we, we, we quite often grab onto that. It's like agape love. When we talk about agape love, that's God's love. And, and there's just little words. We, we, we don't spend a lot of time studying Greek. And, and most of you are probably not biblical scholars, so you haven't spent a lot of time studying Greek. And, and so we, we just take little snippets of it and we grab it. But here's the thing that we sometimes miss, and, and I'm not a huge fan of going back into biblical language, because I think we have a lot of good commentators that do that much better than me, but koinonia has such a deeper meaning than just fellowship. It also means sharing. It also means partnership. It also means participation. You notice in the passage, all those things are there. And although they translate that word several different ways, that is the original word. It also means this, communion. Now, we, we have communion table. If I took the choir, gathered them around here, 
They invited you all up to our house, everybody up here, and then we all shared a meal, and we were a community, communion, community, and then we celebrated the Lord's table. Ah, are you getting the picture of what they're doing? Come on in. Everybody come on in. Everybody join together. And everybody bring something. It's a giant potluck. Did you bring something this morning to bring up? No, probably not, just like you didn't <laughs> sell your houses before you came. No. And it's a giant collection. We got that part right. We do that every week, don't we? We remember to do that. You see how we pick and choose meanings that are convenient for us. And, but we do like to sell, call ourselves communion. We have, what do we do after church? We go and have fellowship in the fellowship hall. Yeah. However, do you know where fellowship actually occurs? Right here. This is fellowship. This is fellowship. Me inviting you up here to join the choir is fellowship. That's fellowship because what are we doing? We are enjoying each other's company and we're enjoying it in front of God. So I'm going to go back through the passage and I'm just going to point out a couple things because as a church we have, we have lost a number of things to do with fellowship and, and I think if we could recapture it, it would change the way people see us. All the believers, not just those who come once a month or at high occasions, all the believers. In other words, getting together was important. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, I'm going to do something very evangelical here and say, how many of you carried a Bible in this morning? One, two, yeah, maybe, maybe, none. Why not? That's a question to ask yourself. How are you going to learn if you don't read God's Word daily? That's what they're saying. Devote yourself to the teaching of Christ and to fellowship. Everybody have breakfast together this morning? Did everybody spend time in devotion and prayer? You don't have to, you don't have to, I'm not saying answer out loud. I'm saying this is what they did. And sharing in meals. We love a good meal. We are Presbyterian. We love to eat. Including the Lord's Supper. How often did they have the Lord's Supper? Once a year, four times a year, six times a year? Daily. Every day. Yeah, you can't do it too much. Those that think you take the, the mystery and the mystique out of the Lord's table by celebrating and being with your God daily, we've lost that. We've missed it. We've somehow said, yeah, well, once, twice, four times a year, that's good. No, it's not. Bible teaches us that we should be gathering, eating together, reading the Word of God, and praying and celebrating the Lord's table every single day. Because this is what happens when we do that. A deep sense of awe came over them. All of them. 
not just the new believers, but the apostles, the disciples, everyone, a deep sense of awe. And when I say awe, I'm talking about standing in the presence of our God. Standing in the presence of our God, because you are bathed and immersed in God's Word and God's Spirit. Then, and only then, the apostles performed miraculous signs and wonder. We're not even told what they were. We just know that they were incredible and they were miraculous, but only because everyone was in awe of God. And all the believers met together in one place. They all got together as often as they could every day. And they shared everything they had. Now, let's stop there for a minute because this is usually where this passage bogs down. They shared everything that they had. That means not only their possessions, but also themselves. We usually get up to that part and then we read this next part and our minds shut off because they sold their property and possessions. And we go, we don't, we don't want to look at that. We, we just kind of like, that other part, that's good. I don't mind that. But this isn't really what it's saying. Do you notice that everyone shared with those in need? Because the people that were coming were from all sorts of backgrounds, all sorts of places. They were from everywhere in every economic and every racial and social situation. And the believers, because they are being bathed in spirit, can see those in need. Remember what Jesus said? You will always have the poor. You will have lots of time to take care of them. Yeah, because they'll be in your midst and you can take care of them. It's a privilege and shared the money with those in need. Now, as strange as this is going to sound, do you notice they're not giving the money to the temple? Doesn't say that they gave the money to the temple daily, does it? They made sure there was not a single person in their midst, and we're talking thousands, can you picture thousands and thousands of people all crammed into this building, we're taking care of all of them. Hallelujah. Yeah, that's what's going on here. Thousands of people. And they shared with those in need because their eyes were open to the need of the person sitting beside them. They shared themselves, they shared what they had. But that doesn't mean they, they like the Franciscans took this passage to mean, okay, now we will have a, a vow of poverty. We shouldn't have anything. Is that what it means? Perhaps, if that's the way you want to live. But it means we share. We're always sharing. If we have extra, what do we need it for? If you have extra, if you have extra time, what are you using it for? If you have extra whatever, what are you using it for? Are you using it for the betterment of the kingdom, the betterment of God? Are you using it for these things? This is what this passage is asking you. Because if you go back, what's that say again? A deep sense of awe came over them all because they're bathed in the wonders of God. And this no longer means anything. 
They worshiped together at the temple every day. Can you imagine going to the church every day? I'll see you tomorrow for the service. Yeah, we don't even get together Wednesdays anymore. Remember when, well, I'm sure many of you remember Wednesday night prayer. Yeah, Sunday evening service. We've, we've whittled it back. Fortunately, we have internet now, so I guess we could see it every day if we wanted. But we don't get together like that, do we? I, I come to this church a lot, and I can tell you, I don't see a lot of you here, right? But I see you on Sunday, a lot of you. Because that's not the way we're built. We don't do that anymore. The question is, why not? That's the question you have to wrestle with. And here's the other thing. If we don't get together here, why don't we all get together at each other's house? I picked Stephen's place today. We'll all go to Stephen's afterwards. He was smiling, so I picked on him. Everybody will go there and, and, oh, because it's one of the things I should point out, if you're getting together all the time in, in this time, guess who's doing all the cooking? <laughs> yeah. The women did all the cooking. Believe it or not, the women have an incredibly important role here, don't they? There is, if, if, if Stephen invited everybody over to his house and Kathy said, I'm going to McDonald's, how good of a cook are you? Yeah, it's not happening. Yeah, none of this would happen without everybody getting in it together and sharing meals and being part of everything. And having great joy while praising God. Because when people outside of the church see this, what do they see? A loving, caring community who not only believes in their God, but believes in doing what their God has taught them. And all of them enjoyed the goodwill of the people. That's not the believers, that's the, those outside. They looked with respect and great joy and each day, you add it to that. No, the Lord added to their number. The number being saved so they could love and disciple further. It truly was a wondrous community, wasn't it? It truly was a wondrous community. One that was put together and sustained purely in the power of God. The question the church, as we are the church, need to ask ourselves, is that who we are today? Are we put together and sustained purely by the power of God? Should we be? That's the question you have to wrestle with yourself. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, just as a shepherd cares for his flock, you care for each of us. For only you are the good shepherd. This morning, Lord, we ask to move in our hearts and our minds to help us care more for others, serving you through acts of caring. Lord, you are life for us, and we ask that you restore our souls. Wherever people's lives are impoverished or in chaos, repair them and restore them. Lord, this morning, remember all those who are facing difficulties and trials. And, and give them a strong sense of your presence. Lord, you are our happiness. You give all that we need. You guide us and you show us the way that you would have the world be. 
Lord, now hear us as we say together the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples when they said, Lord, teach us to pray. He said, pray in this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but to us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and power and glory, forever and ever. Amen.